Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. I'm Zach, and with me as always, the only man to ever catch a bird in a microwave, Johnny O. <laughs> wow, how's it going? This is two weeks in a row with some pretty incredible intros. Oh, I've got a list going in my notes app now that just says John superlatives. You're getting one of these every week now, bud. <laughs> I don't even remember telling you that story about the bird in the microwave. Was that a yeah, pod story? I, I believe we said it on the pod. I, I can't imagine we wasted that off air. Wow. But just wow. just in yeah, case we did, you want to you want to give us the quick recap? No, because it's not a very good story. <laughs> what do you mean it's not I, a good story? Just, it involves a bird in a microwave. I was just over somewhere, and we like could hear this thing like going through the cabinets, and we like opened up all the cabinets and couldn't find where this like flapping sound was coming from. And then the next day, or maybe it was like that night or something. Someone just randomly opened up the microwave and the bird flew out of there. So we never even checked that. <laughs> I don't think you're properly appreciating the fact that you and whoever you were with that night are the only people on Earth who can tell that story. <laughs> That's true. Maybe I just wasn't prepared to tell that story today. Like, think about all the experiences that the billions of people on this Earth have had. You are definitely one of however many guys that were with you that have ever had a bird in a microwave. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But I also never saw it in the microwave. This is really all hearsay to me that it flew out of the microwave. It had to have been there. It's Schrodinger's bird. Yeah, that's true. So how how's your week been? I know it's, oh. it's only Tuesday, so it's only been a couple of days since we spoke. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for the listeners because nothing has happened, but also that's probably good for the listeners if they just are interested in the issues. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I was looking through the time codes the other week and I was like, maybe I do ramble on a bit too much about every single thing at the beginning of the issue. Isn't the it funny? So, so I actually do longer have, and I, longer. I know. And, and you know, what really made me think about it was I used to love the Scrubs podcast. Have you ever heard that? I didn't watch the show, so. Yeah, well, I, I did watch it, and that's why I liked it, because they talk about the episodes. And then it got to the point where right, they just, like, talk to each other the whole time. And that's fun still, but it's not, like, must-listen-to podcasts, because I want to hear them talk about the episodes that they made. And that made me feel bad you said the other day where I'm like, they can listen to us talk. So well, I'm trying to be better, Zach. It takes two to tango. I definitely was filling up a lot of that time, too. And here's the thing. We can still do it. We're still going to do it. Maybe it might be more packed in towards the end of these episodes. Yeah, I actually I do have some stuff for us to for us to gab about at the end that I okay. think you're going to enjoy. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, do we want to throw it over to the Better Business Bureau and then get into these issues? Send, send it over. Let's do All it. Right. Every business says they're better. 
but the ones that earn and display the BBB seal back it up. It instantly identifies businesses that are committed to operating with integrity, honoring promises, and telling the truth. Makes you wonder why every business doesn't have it. So look for it, because it's looking out for you. That's why it's the sign of a better business. And find a better business anytime at BBB.org. All right, and we're back. Five minutes, we're already into the issues. It's a new record. Yep. And okay. John, you're actually starting us off this time. For I the know, longest it's kinda, time. It's kind of fun. I know. I've usually been you... doing our first issue. And yeah. today you're start, you're kicking us off. Well, I appreciate you giving me the first issue because the second issue is a double issue. So, so I was trying to be conscious that. of that. I, know, I, I, I knew that you were. As soon as I looked and I saw that it, the second issue was a double, I was like, oh, Zach was being nice to me. I know... The last few double issues we've had, I think you carried the weight for it. So I was like, I got to do this one. Yep. Team effort. Okay. So issues 49 and 50. And Zach, I don't, I don't really feel like reading the previously, but can you give us a previously just yourself? Kingpin's back, baby. <laughs> That's Vote true. Bullet. Yes, okay, that's the other thing. Yeah, and Sam Bullitt is uh, running for office or something. And 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 yeah. Is there anything else we need to know? Peter Parker is Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we covered the highlights. Okay, so issue 49. <clears throat> excuse me, this one is called Hero. And we get Spidey and Kingpin on the cover. And... uh Ma'am, do you like the way Kingpin looks, or do you not? I, I just really can't decide. Like in that cover, I, just just in general, you know, just he in looks general. like a Buddha <laughs> statue on the cover. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Because I do like the way he looks, but some some sometimes Kingpin just looks so goofy. <laughs> I had a theory before. Um, the daredevil show came out i think i maybe tweeted this at some point i really wanted the mcu's version of kingpin to change how he looked because i thought it's kind of an old and overdone and maybe offensive trope that like fat people in fiction are almost always evil it's like a visual indicator of like excess and gluttony okay. and i feel like that's maybe insensitive to people and I also thought, wouldn't it be cool if a modernized take on the Kingpin was he's still bald and he's like a powerful businessman, but he's skinny and there's an easy comparison to Jeff Bezos. That'd be good. Isn't that just Lex Luthor, though? Yeah. Then I realized that problem. And then also... (laughs) The guy whose name you know, but I don't, who plays him in the MCU, he just did such a good job. Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. So okay. maybe maybe that idea wasn't great, but that was that for a while that was my working theory think, on how I think that is Kingpin a good one. Though. Look. Yeah. I I like it. You know, it's a good reimagining. Yeah, but you're right, it basically is Lex Luthor. <laughs> um so we open in a parking garage and Jay Jonah Jameson is walking out of the Daily Bugle 
um, you know, into the Daily Bugle parking garage. And Kingpin's three goons, Ox, Fancy Dan, and Montana, are waiting there for him. Yep. Um, and they've already beaten up someone. Is this J. Jonah Jameson's driver, are we to assume? That's what it looks like. I didn't realize Mr. Jameson had a you know Neither a did personal I. driver. And he's just waiting for him in the parking garage every day. It's like his I guess that's how it, <laughs> guess that's how it works. I mean, we don't really have an idea for the scope of how big the bugle is. Like it kind yeah. of feels like the Daily Beast. But who knows? It might be he might be the editor of the New York Times in yeah. their universe. So maybe he's so, got more money than we think. Yeah. So J. Jonah Jameson sees this and he looks pretty shocked and terrified just right away. Um, he doesn't say anything. And the the goons or the enforcers, they give him a, a little bit of ribbing because he's speechless and they've never seen J. Jonah Jameson speechless before. And Zach, I know you always do a really good fancy Dan Im- impression. And I don't even know if I've ever gotten to do one, so I'll give him my best. You know, I'd never seen that before. Someone actually struck speechless. That was good. I <laughs> okay. might have to retire the voice and make you do it now. <laughs> um, and the goons kind of take turns pretending to to speak for J. Jonah Jameson, just saying kind of like what do you think he's thinking? You know, well, we wouldn't know because he's speechless. And then Montana says, I think it might be something along the lines of, please, please don't kill me. And that scathing editorial in this morning's paper connecting bullet to so-called organized crime figures in the city, even though I didn't name Wilson Fisk by name was a huge mistake. And then fancy Dan takes over. I mean, if I knew for sure just how powerful Sam Bullitt's friends were, or how important he was to Kingpin, <laughs> this is like a baby voice, I feel like. <laughs> I would have never, ever done that. And so anyway, they're just kind of joking around with them, and and then we see a voice off screen, and... He says, I was all proud of myself for thinking of sneaking into this garage and giving Jameson crap, but how clever of an idea could it have been if you guys thought of it too? And of course, it's Spider-Man. And the goons start blasting, and Spider-Man is using his spidey senses, and he's kind of, he's dodging out of the immediate danger, and he's jumping around, dodging bullets, and, and beating up goons. And J. Jonah Jameson just looks pretty terrified during this whole ordeal. And I wrote here, Zach, that you can tell he's having an epiphany. You think so? Well, we I don't know. know. Maybe, he's, maybe not. He's speechless. <laughs> he actually still hasn't said anything. Yeah, he truly is speechless. <laughs> or maybe he said something, but not not a lot. I don't think he has yet. Yeah. So, Fancy Dan, you know, with all Spider-Man's flipping around, Fancy Dan accidentally shoots Ox in the leg before Spidey gives him a punch. And then Fancy Dan and Montana get webbed up, and Spidey kind of goes on his little rant that we've heard him say in the past couple issues, which is like, how are you guys never in jail? Is Kingpin that connected that you guys just always get out of? And I think at this point it's a running joke. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And the goons kind of finally managed to wrangle Spider-Man. And their Ox has him kind of, like, harnessed. And they're debating if they should kill him. 
And then J. Jonah Jameson, they're, they're kind of like, well, if we kill, we can't kill him in front of the editor of the Daily Bugle. If we kill him, we have to kill Jameson. And then Jameson kind of steps in with a tape recorder and he's like, and he calls the, the goons out by their names and he asks them how long they've worked for the Kingpin. And J. Jonah Jameson's actually doing some investigative journalism. This is a treat, Zach. I know. Um, and the, the goons focus on J. Jonah Jameson and Peter wedges Ox to escape. And then he bonks Fancy Dan and Montana on the head. And then with a couple of good punches, he finally manages to knock Ox out, which he's kind of been like saying for the, the past couple pages. He's like, just go down. Uh, but he's a big guy. Do you get the sense that some history has been forgotten here? I felt like the first time Spidey took down Kingpin, he kind of related with Ox and was like, look, you seem not as bad as the others. Turn yourself in. And he mm. was kind of listening. Going through these issues, it kind of feels like that was lost. I kind of remember that now that you say that, but um, not really like, that much. It's like here, you know, Ox is the one who's like smashing him against things and yelling, I hate you. And it's like, yeah, dude, he he kind of gave you a lifeline. Yeah. Huh. And Ox is a good guy. He's singing Beauty and the Beast. You know, which we you have can both tell loved. There's a sensitive <laughs> interior there. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. A lot has happened since then. Spidey's thrown them in jail like three different times since since that first encounter. Right. But he could have stopped doing crimes the first encounter. I think that's that was true. what Spidey was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um. So, like I said, Spider-Man knocks out these guys. And J. Jonah Jameson kind of sheepishly gives Spider-Man a thank you before Spider-Man asks why they did a piece on Sam Bullet. And J. Jonah Jameson says, buy a paper if you want to know, <laughs> which is which is pretty good. And No, he's not he's not asking about why he did the piece. He's saying, Why'd you change your mind? Why'd you do an about face? Because they had redacted their endorsement of him oh okay and that's what but the, he still says the... but he still doesn't tell spider-man that he's just like buy paper you know right right because <laughs> he's above he's not gonna admit he was wrong to the likes of that wall crawling menace yeah so the police storm into the garage as spider-man disappears and we cut to this is funny. We cut to Fancy Dan and Montana on the ground, and Fancy Dan says, "By the way, guys, I'm breaking up the team. We suck. I feel like my my Fancy Dan is getting worse by the, by the impersonation." But it but it is pretty funny. Montana's like, "We do not," and Fancy Dan's like, "Yeah, we do. We do suck." If this is the last we see of them, then. Good night, sweet princes. We had yeah. fun with you. <laughs> well, what's going to happen? I, I hope it's not. Because I, I kind of like seeing them cower at Kingpin every time they mess up. I like seeing them have to go there between with their tail between their legs. They're some of the only fun villains we get. Like them yeah. and the, the shocker, who Peter calls the vibrator. Yeah. 
yeah. are like the only ones where when they show up, you don't even have to pretend like, oh, a big serious fight's about to happen. You're just like, okay, time to laugh at these guys. Yeah. Um. So Peter is walking back home from the night and it turns out he got shot again. I didn't even see that, Zach. Did you notice that before he, he said it himself? So it's unclear. I saw the panel where it looked like a bullet maybe grazed him and he reacts to it. And then his word bubbles in the next, you know, a few pages later says, I got shot at again. So it's almost like they were unclear on if he got hit or not. Huh. He's getting pretty good at shaking off these bullets, though. All things considered. <laughs> he's built up a tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he's, have he's, you seen the thing on Reddit where a guy was like shooting oh himself God, yes, every day <laughs> with a pellet gun and he was trying to build up a tall until it didn't break the skin anymore. Dude, and, it's, it, and it worked. <laughs> That's the craziest thing about it. Well, it worked with a pellet gun. Yeah. Then he's like, okay, now I want to, I want to work my way up until I build up a tolerance to real bullets. Good luck. I mean, Hey, it, Who's to say? Who's to say he can't do it? <laughs> Maybe that's what's, what Peter did. Yeah. Um, so Peter is walking up to his, his Aunt May's doorstep, and um, who is sitting there on the front porch but J. Jonah Jameson? And J. Jonah Jameson says he had an unusually crappy day at work, which we, of course, know, you know what he's referring to. But that's not why he came to talk to Peter. And we see Aunt May watching from the window. And J. Jonah Jameson begins to tell Peter about his son, J. Jonah Jameson Jr. And... J.J.J.J. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of explains why he doesn't like Spider-Man. And, and I, um, I'm just going to read this whole page. So, he says, My son was on the space shuttle Orion. And as you probably know, the Orion burned up in orbit. That was what, about a year ago? Burned to nothing. No explanation from NASA other than the words technical malfunction. What kind of technical malfunction? I'm sorry, sir, that's classified information. But my son died on that flight. I'm sorry, sir, that's classified information. My boy was an astronaut, a hero, a hero, and he's gone. And that's, I didn't get to bury a body which you wouldn't think would matter, but damn it if it doesn't. It very much matters. So I concede to the point that my judgment on certain matters may be somewhat clouded by grief and my unresolved issues with that grief. I just don't see how Spider-Man is a hero. You asked me about this. This is what got you fired. Heroes don't. They don't. That's not what a hero is. Astronauts are heroes. People in creepy masks are not. So I am having trouble reporting it. And now it seems to have affected my integrity as a reporter. And that's going to end. Powerful stuff, Zach. I actually really liked uh, this whole thing. And and there's more. There's even more of that. But I don't want to read, you know, like three whole pages of, of uh, a conversation. Yeah. A lot of depth for a character that usually seems one dimensional. Yeah. I actually, that's one of my favorite things about J. Jonah Jameson in kind of all mediums is he's fun when he's just a one-dimensional caricature yelling about wanting pictures of Spider-Man. But he's also an actually good character when you get moments like this and you dive into his psyche. Yeah. Um. So, so 
J. Jonah Jameson offers Peter his job back. That's kind of where he's going. And he tells Peter that he has too bright a future to be working at the mall selling corn dogs on a stick, which I don't even know if we talked about in the last issue, but that was like a joke Peter had thinking to himself was like, I'm a superhero and I'm going to be working at the mall selling corn dogs on a stick. Oh, buddy, I've got a corn dogs on a stick story for you. <laughs> so we I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> we have mentioned them before. It's come up a couple times in this run, like to the point where I've noticed it. And I Googled, is this a real franchise? It's not. There's something similar called hot dog on a stick. But corn dog on a stick is something of Bendis's own invention in this huh. series, like in the very early <laughs> issues, like 2002. Wait a second, Zach. Wait a second. Every corn dog is a corn dog on a stick. Right. That's the joke. Because hot dog oh, okay. on a stick was essentially selling corn dogs, but that they called it, oh no, it's a hot dog on a, a hot stick. Hot dog on a stick. Oh. And he, he made his own little funny Marvel that brand. Is, that is pretty funny. Version of that. Where I'm going with this is the other day, I was revisiting his X-Men run from about 10 years after this. It's like 2012, 2013. And one of the characters was like, it's crazy. I didn't know I was a mutant. One day I'm working at the corn dog on a stick. The next day I'm here with you guys. He kept this bit going for over 10 years. I feel like we read an issue where they said where X-Men were at the mall and they were talking about corn dog on a stick. Yeah, it wasn't that. This is literally like uncanny X-Men. Wow. 2012, 2013. This guy just has an obsession with this restaurant that doesn't That's exist. Funny. That's funny. We'll have to get some corn dogs sometime. And I know, uh, kinda, you know, for for an ep- I know it sounds good. <laughs> kind of craving it now. Um. So, like, yeah, J J Jonah Jameson says you can't be selling corn dogs on a stick at the mall. You know, you you have to be doing something better with your future. You got too bright a future. And Peter is go- not only is he going to be doing the stuff he was doing before. But in his free time, he's going to be tagging along with Ben Urich um, because J. Jonah Jameson wants him to see how the city really is. And as J. Jonah Jameson walks back to his car, we see Peter smile. And then we cut to Kingpin eating dinner by himself. And in the next panel, Spider-Man is sitting across from him holding up the daily bugle reading it with a huge headline kingpin cronies blow lid right in kingpin's face is this are we to believe that spider-man just swung into this restaurant that kingpin was in in between that like second or is this like i don't know is is it well it's it's not that it couldn't happen but it's just, we just saw Spider-Man try to get to Kingpin, and he couldn't get through the glass and couldn't, you know, get to him. So it almost seems like it's one of those, I don't know, it, it reminds me of like the, the Billy Butcher Homelander scene where sometimes you never know if they're actually talking or if they're... Oh, if, if he's like, imagining this? Yeah, I don't know. I know that's not what's happening, but it's kind of just what it reminded me of. My take on it is... This isn't, this is a restaurant. This is some rooftop restaurant. It's not in Kingpin's building. So the glass would maybe be easier. The security would be lighter. And I'm thinking he was, he like dropped down from a ceiling panel or something. Okay. Because 
we don't see that the window can open or did open, but I think he didn't have any trouble getting into this restaurant. Yeah. And if it was in like Fisk Tower, I, he maybe would have. And I don't and I don't even know if 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 Kingpin even noticed him until he says, you know what my favorite part of the paper is? Well, today it's the headline, but I like the gossip column. And uh, and that's when Kingpin looks up and he sees this this big headline about how his cronies blew their lids right in his face. And Peter and Kingpin have a sit-down chat. And, uh, well, Spider-Man and, and Kingpin do. And Spider-Man tells him he doesn't understand how everyone still lets Kingpin do whatever he wants, even though everyone knows he's a murderer and a liar and a thief. And Kingpin, <laughs> all I wrote here is Kingpin tells Spidey a scary speech, but maybe I should read that. <laughs> That's probably, otherwise I probably would have written more, but let's see. So Kingpin says, Oh, that's right. I was doing this in a great D'Onofrio impression in my head when I was reading it, but I'm not even going to try. <laughs> he says, well, I, I want to hear you try. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's going to be so bad. Well, young man, I'll tell you what you see. You see the face of a man that will one day find out who you really are. Okay, I don't want to do it anymore. And I will find out who they are. Oh, wait. And where do you go to school? Because someone out there knows. And I will find out who they are and who you are. And when I do, I will personally come over to your house. And I will teach you exactly what I am. And Spider-Man says, are you hitting on me? And then he stands up to leave and he says, well, we should glare at each other menacingly more often. And uh, Kingpin says... I guess there says, was no uh, window. Yeah, there wasn't because Spider-Man just stands up and, and swings off the building as Kingpin says, I'm going to find out who you are. And uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. How about that? Uh, an open air restaurant at the top of a skyscraper. That kingpin is eating at. He must not be very nervous. Yeah. So, what'd you think? Uh, I didn't even realize that was the end of the issue until just now. That that was a fast read. I know. It was a good one. Yeah. These have all been good ones. All yeah. of these with kingpin have been really, really good. I said I thought there was a little bit of a lull for a minute, but I think it's picking back up. Um, do you have a rating system for us by any chance? About out of 10 corn dogs on a stick. Ooh, that's a good one. I think this is the third issue in a row, but I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10 corn dogs on a stick. Okay. Going up into the nines just seems like there has to be like something incredible. And eight and a half is almost like the peak of just like a very, very good issue. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm pretty much right there with you. I'll give it an eight out of 10 uh corn dogs on a stick which nice. i could go for right now because i have not had dinner no. <laughs> yeah we won't get into that we're already talking about that it's taco tuesday at both of our houses yeah um yeah i like the moments with uh j jonah jameson i'm flying my jjj flag crowd. Ooh, nice yeah there there were a bunch of good moments or, or just good good like talks in this one you know the whole scene with j jonah jameson in the parking garage having his epiphany i liked and then 
you know, his talk with uh, his talk with Peter and then Peter gets his talk with Kingpin. It just goes like scene to scene and, and all of them are are just interesting. Yeah, I will say you gave it an eight and a half. I gave it an eight. I'm deducting a half a point for the ox wedgie. Oh, yeah, I just skipped over it. That's no, so I demoralizing. How are you going to give a grown man a wedgie? I don't care how bad he is as a supervillain. There are some lines you just don't cross. He had to get out of it. <laughs> it was his only chance. It really wasn't. That he seems was, like a Spider-Man thing to do. He was showboating. You know, like we wouldn't expect Iron Man to do that. But Spider-Man would do that, I think. That's I'd very like to, in character. I'd like to imagine a world where none of my Marvel superheroes are <laughs> giving wedgies to the supervillains. Okay. I don't know. It was just too silly for me. And he yeah. all, So he, what's that going down to an eight or a seven and a half? Is it's that an what eight. Took it, okay, yeah. that's what took it down to an eight. Okay. Yeah. And and Ox came very close to having the, you know, cartoonishly goofy white boxers with the pink with, hearts with on them. Hearts. Yeah, yeah, they they ha- they were like red circles instead of pink hearts. But That's you funny. know what they're going for. That's funny. Do we have anything else about this issue? Or are we ready? Yeah, to get I, actually, into- I actually do. I actually do on the on the very last uh, on the very last page of this Kingpin Spider Man talk something that i forgot that i'm glad i just caught is so spider-man stands up to leave and kingpin goes here i'll do my d'onofrio impression young man did you web my feet to the floor (laughs) and spider-man says maybe and kingpin says what possible satisfaction could you get from that and spider-man says see you don't understand me and i don't understand you and that is the type of guy that would give a wedgie, Zach. You can't even tell me it's not. I did forget about that moment, and I'm glad you made us go back and, and appreciate it. Yeah, that's good. Because you almost get the sense that, like, Kingpin started to stand up, and he's like, I'm about to crush this little punk. <laughs> and then he he just, like, tested it moving for a second and was like, oh, my feet are webbed to the ground. That's ac- that's actually like a really funny thought that like Spider-Man stood up to leave and for a split second Kingpin was like I'm going to wring this kid's neck before he can leave and then he immediately realizes he couldn't stand up but he like still plays it off fairly cool and instead of like lunging across the table with his feet still on the ground and trying to grab at him he's he's not going to you know yeah become undignified like that exactly. he'll just get him get him the next time yeah <laughs> All right, moving into Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man issue 50. Hey, look at that. It's a big number issue. Uh, this one is written by Bendis, penciled by Bagley. By flying through There's only one, one through 160. I mean, we're a third of the way done almost. We're over a third of the way done because I don't think you realize all those miniseries and spinoffs and stuff that I've been having you read. Those are pretty much packed into early on in the in the book. I don't think we have hardly any more of those. Like from here on out, it's it's pretty much the main series. Well, yeah, so we're like a third of the way done. We're at issue 50 and and we have one. I'm saying we're like over a third of the way done. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. So maths. Yes. Colored by J.D. Smith and lettered by Chris Iliopoulos. Oh, I forgot our creative team on the last one. I'm sorry. It's okay. That's why I just did it. 
Um, so we open on a mysterious silver-haired lady in a cat suit and goggles standing on a gargoyle on the Chrysler building at night. And she watches a couple talk in the window of a nearby building. Then when they leave the room, she shoots a grappling hook and repels over to the roof of the other building. And a security guard goes to the roof to check out what set off his sensors. And when he does, the sexy cat suit lady sneaks in <laughs> through the door he opened. Well descripted. I mean, am I wrong? You're not wrong. Uh, she hacks an electronic lock to get into another door, and we see her looking at a painting on the wall. And she sprays an aerosol and reveals that the painting is guarded by lasers. And it was unclear how, but she, she disabled the lasers somehow. And removes the painting to reveal a safe in the wall. So we're just getting little clues that she's like this super competent cat burglar. And and she's also... I feel like I feel like you've kind of left out how she's doing all of this stuff, but this is like this is the reason that I liked these first like 15 pages like that are kind of just showing her like I don't know breaking in. Maybe it's not that many, but it shows her as very very like competent, but also just like she's like a trickster kind of because she's like spilling water in custodians faces to like get them to turn and look away or like she knocked the hat off of a security guard and he goes like chasing it and she like sneaks in the door like she's just very stealthy she's like goofy kind of you know like she's like playing these guys like a fiddle yes yes and you're only seeing partial images of her like her face will be obscured if you're seeing her body or if you're seeing her hand that's all you're getting it you don't you're not seeing all of her and it's it's these panels are mostly sometimes it's just her cleavage sometimes you know that's that's what you get um (laughs) but the panels are mostly silent uh we hear some security guards talking a little bit but it's just that and the fact that you even you the reader can't get a good look at her it just like hammers home that she's moving fast she's moving quietly she's and, working and her way and around these very, people and it's very exact because one of like the first things we see is like the clock changes to like seven thirty, and that's when she like starts to go so so she's got all this like planned out. She's like, I'm going to knock the ca- the guard's hat off when he comes outside, sneak back in. Then I'm going to s- spray water in the custodian's face, blah, 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 blah. And they don't know that she's doing it. They think, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. They're, this yeah. just fell. Yeah. Yeah. It's not her first rodeo. Um, She opens the safe and we see some kind of ancient stone tablet inside it. And just as she's about to leave, Two security guards come running down the hallway with guns drawn. And I'm just going to start calling her who she is. Black Cat clings to the wall above the doorway. She's got like claws that she can dig into the drywall. And when the guards come in, she trips them from behind, which makes one of their guns go off and hit the sprinkler system. And they still don't even know she's here. (laughs) It's a very Rube Goldberg way to steal stuff. Yeah, that's actually, like, the best way to put it. I would have never, like, came up with that. 
phrase, but yeah, that's exactly I just came up with it now. Um, Because, I mean, you could just see her, like, throwing a little marble down the staircase, and then, like, ten minutes later, (laughs) yeah, it does what it's supposed to. It, like, somehow hits a button to unlock the door or something. Like, she's just thinking like that. Um, She uses this diversion to make her getaway back onto the roof, and fires her grappling hook back at the Chrysler building. When Spider-Man comes up behind her and says, Hey, uh, what exactly are you doing? And she turns around and we see our first full panel of her. And she's a smoke show. She's a bombshell. (laughs) She's hot. Yep, well said. And Spidey says, Wow, you are a considerable step up from the usual riffraff I find sneaking around rooftops in the middle of the night. And I so think who's I feel Black like... Cat? This is uh she is. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me try to think of this person's name. Cause she was in the Andrew Garfield Spider Man's Was she? This uh the character was, but she wasn't Black Cat. It's um it's like Butch Cassidy or something. <laughs> no. What's what's her name? Felicia Hardy. Felicia Felicia Jones. Felicia Harding. Hardy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I wouldn't have came up with that one. But I do yeah. remember it now that you've said it. Yeah, Felicia, like feline. Oh my gosh. These writers don't get paid enough. <laughs> well, these writers didn't come up with it. They're just adapting a character that already existed. But yeah, I I, I agree. I like her as a character <laughs> a lot. Um, So Black Cat jumps off the roof. And Spider-Man jumps after her, but sees too late that she actually clung to the side of the wall right after she jumped. And she pulls herself back onto the roof and starts running the other way. And Peter's web shooters malfunction, and he starts actually falling. And he's like panicking for a second, and then I think he clings to the wall to stop his fall and jumps back onto the roof. And he makes some comment about, good thing I remembered I had superpowers. And he's back to try and stop her. Um, But she moves fast and beats the crap out of him. Not like hard, but like her fighting style is kind of like her stealing style. It's very finesse. It's like she's using his momentum against him and then hitting him and stuff. Sometimes I feel like when Spider-Man, maybe especially when he has to fight a pretty lady, he gets too close to them without being ready to fight them, you know? Like he's he like jumps like one inch away from her and he's like, Okay, lady, you know, let's cut it out. And it's like, dude, they're just gonna hit you, you know? <laughs> he was not prepared at all to actually throw no. a punch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she knows and she takes advantage of it. I don't think she could be a match for him at full strength or whatever, but I, I think she gets him pretty good by surprise here. Um so she basically, you know, knocks him to the ground. And she says, cross to black cat, seven years, bad luck, and jumps off the roof and disappears into the night. Later, we see Peter studying in his basement with (laughs) MJ. And she steps on his face as as she runs away. That's just rude. There's the artist's thinly veiled fetish creeping its way into the story. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Later, we see Peter studying in his basement with MJ, 
but he's clearly still thinking about what happened earlier. And Mary Jane says she gets that he needs time to decompress from his spider Manning, but he never does. And that's why he ends up just sitting there and spacing out. And Peter sarcastically says, okay. And Mary Jane says, yes, now I am an expert on superhero psychology. And she's playing around with his web shooter and accidentally shoots it off and hits the ceiling. And I only bring that up because it's a real cute panel. Um, and he asked, why is that a cute? Why is that? I think this whole conversation is, is cute. It is because Peter's just sitting there, not really talking. And then Mary Jane's just like, you're being Spider-Man in your head again. It's like she does like know him pretty well at this point. You know, she oh, yeah, she's exactly right. what's like going through his head. She's right. And at the same time that she's like saying these deep truths about his psyche, she's just kind of fiddling with his web shooter. Yeah. It's just cute. Um, we'll, we'll cut this if you want to, Zach. But here's just a question for you. Maybe on the After Hours pod, you could leave this in. But... This cute panel, it sure does look like a. Okay, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to the the sexiness <laughs> of it all. Um, there's an issue later on, much later on, that I'm not looking forward to covering. Uh, <laughs> where I'm convinced it was made because Bagley drew them so often. Like, oh, these kids are right. Like they're when we're not when we're not right there watching them. They're all the time. And I, I think Bendis had to make an entire issue to explicitly say, we're not, but we're thinking about it, but we're not. <laughs> and I funny. feel like this is one of those moments where, where Bagley's like, oh uh, yeah, they would be. <laughs> we can, we can cut all that. Yeah. There's no after hours pod. I'm yeah. letting see the light of day. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so Peter tells her, honestly, I was thinking maybe I should put the costume away for a while and be a normal guy. And he asks Mary Jane what she thinks about that. And she tells him she would actually prefer it if he was with her and safe instead of being above the city fighting supervillains all the time. And Peter says, I didn't know you felt that way. MJ says, listen, I'm not saying I want you to stop being Spider-Man. You do what you have to do. You asked me what I would think if you did stop. And Peter tells her he's just thinks it would be nice to not have to worry about getting hurt. And he mentions his web shooter malfunctioning and how he almost died tonight, which surprises her. And he says he doesn't even like fighting anyone except maybe Norman Osborn. And he tells MJ what he really wants to do is go on a date to the park with her, which was sweet. He says, you know what? I don't want to talk about me all the time. I'm sick of me. What's going on with you? Are you okay? Are things better with your dad? And I was so proud of him in this moment. Our guy is finally learning. Yep. He leveled up. Good for you, Peter. Yeah. It only took you. 50 issues. <laughs> uh, Mary Jane says, no, actually, she hates her dad, and he's still cheating on her mom. And then Peter says, uh, he'll never cheat on her. And they say they love her. And, John, I can't help but notice, he says they say that... They love her? He, yeah. Um, they say they love each other. Okay. 
sorry. I can't help but notice he brought up the, you know, I would never cheat on you. Like right after he met this (laughs) hot cat lady that he couldn't stop thinking about. Oh, wow. Huh. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't put that together. I did put together that it's just kind of a goofy thing to say in general when someone's like getting cheated on, just saying like, you know, I'd never do that to you. Right. <laughs> um, but, but, ooh, wow. Maybe he's got a little bit of a like mental guilt going on in there. She was showing a lot of cleavage on the rooftop. A lot. I think yeah. that's, that's her backup plan. If she ever gets caught, it's a distraction. Yeah, which yeah. she did, and it was, and it worked. Yeah, <laughs> if she ever gets caught by a not fifteen-year-old boy, it it might work a little less. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so Mary Jane abruptly asks him if he thinks they'll get married, and Peter says he thinks they will. Um, which is so cute. They're so dumb. It's very cute. They're idiots. They're like <laughs> sophomores no, in high not. school. They're meant to be together. Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure these two will get married. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And of course, you know, that starts them making out when Aunt May comes to the doorway of the basement and calls for both of them to come upstairs. And she says, your father's here, Mary. And we see a look of panic on MJ's face. And Mr. Watson is standing in the kitchen holding Mary Jane's diary. John, when you saw this, did you, did you, where did you think it was going? Um, okay. So for sure, I was like, certainly she will have written about Spider-Man in this. But certainly she won't have, because that's not where the story is about to go. You know? Yeah. Did you remember that we've seen the diary before? No. But but when it got read, I did remember that we had read that part before. Okay. About, like, the, the bridge. Yeah. You know? But no, I don't remember where we did see it. I don't remember what issue, but I I remember it happening. Yeah. Um. So we're dancing around it. Uh, Aunt May says, you should do this at your own house. And Mr. Watson tells her, I would, but this involves both Mary and Peter. And May says, fine, but you should do this. And then this d- cuts her off in her own kitchen by raising his hand and saying, May, please. And he says he was reading her diary and Mary Jane storms away yelling, I hate you. And then Mr. Watson turns his attention to Peter and reads him the passage. We saw MJ writing several issues ago and it says, I almost died tonight. Oh my God, I almost died. If Peter hadn't been at the bridge, I don't know what I would have done. What if no one found my body? I've never been so scared in my whole life. And he confronts Peter about what that means. But Peter just silently glares at him. And Mr. Watson explodes at Peter and tells him that he's through seeing his daughter. 
And if they try to date behind his back, he'll pull her out of school and throw her into a nunnery. And he's he's getting pretty, pretty animated at Peter. He's getting pretty in his face. And Aunt May steps in and says, Craig, get out of my house or I'll call the cops. I mean it. Get out. And he leaves and... Peter makes up a story to May that Mary Jane slipped and almost fell off a bridge and he caught her by the wrist. May asks him, why didn't you just tell Craig that? And Peter says, because he's a jerk. And May agrees that he is a jerk and then says, just stay away from their house for a few days. I'll talk to her mom and see what happens. And Peter asks if she thinks he'll hurt Mary Jane. And May says, no. But then we see her maybe start to think, and she goes and gets Gwen and tells her to put on her shoes. And she says, we'll walk by their house, just casual-like, and if we hear anything, we'll call the police. So, May and Gwen leave, and Peter starts thinking to himself that Mary Jane really is more bothered by the bridge incident than she's ever let on to him. And he feels bad that she has no one to talk to about this but is glad that she didn't write in her diary about him being Spider-Man. And he looks over at the TV and notices a news report about him, so he turns up the volume. And the report shows footage of him chasing Black Cat across the rooftops, but presents it as if they're partners in crime. And Peter thinks to himself, that seven years of bad luck starts right now. What do you think? I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Okay. So some stuff I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you on those last couple pages, the conversation with aunt may and Mary Jane's dad, you know, aunt may's trying to cut him off a lot. And then eventually, like you said, she kind of just snaps at him and throws him out of the house. But then I also really like the way she just like grabs Gwen and she's like, come on, we've got something. We're, you're coming with me. And Gwen's like, what is going on? And she's like, get your coat. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, so you have said it before, Zach, but Peter does have these like amazing women that just like immediately upend whatever they're doing to like help him, you know? Um, and obviously she's doing that for Mary Jane also, because, you know, Mary Jane is, not safe probably at the moment but and there are more coming i'm so excited for that there are literally characters i can't wait for you to meet okay um and then like more female characters yeah the one i'm thinking Uh, of definitely and then what happens just right at the end man these news stories they they do kind of annoy me because how many times are we going to go through this with Spider-Man? He's not helping the villain. Like, this isn't even the Daily Bugle anymore. They've got to be smarter than this to, like, every single time be like, it turns out Spider-Man's a bad guy. He was breaking and entering with this criminal. Who would have thought? Also, I hope this doesn't come back to bite us in a day. It's like they got a one-second clip of them running across the rooftops but didn't get probably a you know ten second clip that yeah. they got of them fighting each other. Yeah. <laughs> um I agree that is pretty silly. 
but but all in all, you know, when I saw the way this one started, and it and it was like about fifteen pages of just like her robbing the place and a bunch of panels, and I didn't really think I was gonna like it. But then when you do look at the panels, you do kind of see how oh, she's doing this like fun stuff that you know she's she's actually got this planned out and like. Um, and then the conversation with Peter and MJ was just really good. You know, I liked that. I thought that was a, a, a pretty cute scene. Um, and then we get Aunt May there being, being Aunt May at the end. So like I said, I, I, I feel like I like this more than I would have thought I would have just knowing all the bits and pieces of it. Uh, and I, I gave it an eight out of ten. I think I am going to go down to a seven and a half out of ten, but that's still a very respectable score. I think. Okay, so I think the first time I read this, I would have been right there with you. I, I think I, I probably looked at this and thought, why is this a disjointed double issue where half of it doesn't relate to the other? What is the purpose of that? And I think it does hinge on Mary Jane is complaining to Peter about her dad. And he says, you know, I would never cheat on you. And there is that interesting interaction that he's just came from that we saw was even distracting him talking to Mary Jane that's lingering on his mind. And I think there's meant to be a parallel between, you know, would Peter actually be capable of being like Craig Watson? Like maybe not to that level, but like inherently is there kind of, you know, something that, you know, he mm. he could grow up like that. I I think that is, ends up being the takeaway. I think you're reading into it too much because I didn't really get that at all, which doesn't, which, you know, means I could not be reading into it enough or something. But don't they start talking? It's not really... I don't know. Is Peter so hung up in thought because he met this sexy lady? Or is he hung up in thought because he just, like, tried to confront someone on the roof and they, like, almost killed him and he wasn't even ready to, like, fight because he doesn't... And his web shooters didn't work and he almost fell off the building and he's just, like... How much longer can I really do this? You know, maybe I'm not giving that moment as much weight as he, as the characters in the book are, because I'm a reader looking at this fictional story and I'm like, of course, Spider-Man's not about to die right now. Of course, he's not actually in danger right now. But you do bring up, bring up a good point that there's a reason he keeps bringing it up and it's because he was scared. Um, I just don't think that has as much emotional weight or resonance. Maybe the, maybe the takeaway isn't, could Peter become like MJ's dad, or maybe it's to juxtapose the two of them to show that he's not like him. But I definitely think there is some connective tissue between what happens in the first half with Spider-Man and Black Cat and what happens in the back half. So do we get more of her? I'm sure eventually we are about to jump into a three part arc that is like specifically about her next week. So is that Kingpin arc done for now? I'll say it's on the back burner. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
It's a long game. Ah, uh, done it. <laughs> I've said it before. He is like maybe the most persistent villain in this whole series. It feels okay. like he is always a thorn in Peter's side and Norman Osborn is always a thorn in Peter's side. Okay. Okay. I can have them come back every so often. Yeah. Um, but they just had dinner and now he's just going to be like, all right, I'll deal with Kingpin. We took down his, his political guy. That's as much as we can do for now. <laughs> Job well done. Pack it up boys. Yep. Well, so yeah, I don't know what to tell you. One? If I did seven and a half, uh, I what and we don't even I'd have say, a rating system. Seven ten cheating on Mary Jane Watson's mom. I was gonna say uh ten gullible security guards. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd give it nine out of ten <laughs> gullible of, security out guards. Out of ten out of ten incompetent security guards. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That that does remind me of there's something at the beginning of this issue where they're like one of the security guards is like, should we call the cops? And he's like, we don't need the cops. We're here. We're the Cops aren't any better than us. And the other one's like, yeah, they are. That's why they're the cops and we're the security guards. And I'm like, that's funny. But, but, but Zach and I don't like cops. So, <laughs> so we're, you know, so these security guards are fine in my book. Um, so um, yeah. Next week, we're doing a three-parter. Oppenhomie will like it. That's 51, 52, and 53. Going to see more of was, Black Cat. I was like, who are you talking about? Oppen, Oppenheimer. Yeah, that one. Okay. 51, 52, and 53. Nice. That'll be good. All right. Is that it on the issues? That is it on the issues. What else you got for us, John? I I have some stuff that's really going to intrigue our sports fans on this pod. We know we have those because this Saturday is my fantasy football draft. So Zach, I thought I, I thought I'd give you the opportunity to tell me who I should be picking at number 12 out of a, <laughs> which 12. I know I've asked, which I know I've asked you before, but now it's, we're coming up to it. Okay. okay. Who so are my there... targets here? Is there it's 12 14, teams? It's a 14-teamer. Oof, that's brutal. These, it dries up by like around four and five. Okay, how many of each position? Two running back, two wide receiver, one flex. One QB, one tight end. Okay. Hmm. Probably the pick, if the top 11 picks fall, how I think they will. I will probably be taking Tony Pollard at number number twelve. But really? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll end up with like Steph Diggs or Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley. That's who I, I would like. One of those guys. I am happy with taking Tony Pollard at twelve if he's the one that's there. He's 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 my twelfth rated player. So um, I got him slightly ahead of C.D. Lamb, who I, is, I don't really want to take with that first pick. It just is it PPR? Half point. Half PPR. Okay. So, I mean, the experts say that <laughs> the best build is zero running back. So that's like top two wide receivers you can get in the first two rounds, and then either a tight end or quarterback. And then like round four, 
you start looking at the mid-range running backs who well, statistically are a dart throw but could end up being in the top five so you're not wasting you know a first round pick on a, a guy that's a slightly higher odds dart throw well here's how i'm gonna try to play this and um you know obviously it depends how the draft falls because if steph Diggs falls to me at number 12 i'm gonna take a receiver in the first round you know yeah i'm just going to say i'm like sure the cooper, same is if cooper cup slips or something cooper you know. cup, or chase but aj but brown outside of that i actually have really been liking snagging one of those top running backs and then snagging josh jacobs with the number 16 pick if when he comes in round two because I think he's like getting kind of undervalued here and I still like taking him more than I like taking like AJ Brown or Devontae Adams or something. And then, you know, then I try to grab that QB like Lamar Jackson or something like that. And then, and then I've been peppering in those receivers later on because I feel like they're easier to hit on anyways, you know, like not for the high end ones, Williams or Mike Evans or yeah, but with the high end running backs, you know, you've got to draft them early also. This is why it's tough. Yeah. You know, okay, you know who I really like as, like, a cheap RB2? Alexander Madison. No. James Cheaper. Ooh, close. That's who I I would not hate getting James Cook in, like, round six or, like, Khalil Herbert in round seven or something like that. James Conner, and this kind of worked out for me last year, is just screaming this is like his last year of his contract we don't have any other offensive weapons we're just gonna force feed this guy touches and he's like one of the few workhorse role running backs in the league this is they're going to give him as many touches as he can handle and stay healthy where's he going what's his I haven't I haven't, I haven't been even doing like, any He hasn't even been on my radar. I haven't been doing any redraft leagues, but he is so dirt cheap because he's like 26, 27 years old, but you look at on the depth chart behind him and they have no one. You look at quarterback and we don't know when Kyler Murray's going to get back. It's like yeah. he's not competing for those running back carries. He's not competing with like uh a committee the only threat to him is injury wow and and i'm sure he's and i'm sure they're not going to be super high like efficiency touches you know i'm sure he'll average like three and a half yards a carry but like that's just touchdown dependency that you're not going to get anywhere else in those later rounds so i would i would go for like a wide receiver heavy build early on and bank on trying to get someone like him if you can yeah. Okay. Well, last year, I know your advice to draft Kyle Pitts definitely helped me out. So I'll have to keep in mind your, yeah. Yep. Kyle Pitts, baby. <laughs> Probably be on my team again. <laughs> what round would you be okay drafting him? Because there's a certain point where it's like, you're not going to pass him up. Like seven. Seriously? I I'm not taking him before. No way. Because I I have him under Evan Ingram. That's that's the that's the guy where then I'm comfortable drafting Kyle Pitts because it's after every man you just know is going to catch passes on their team, and it's before everyone who's just like terrible. 
might catch like two passes with a touchdown a week. And Kyle Pitts could be any of that, but also he's not going to be because their QB is so awful. He's so bad. Every time you see a pass get thrown at Kyle Pitts, it's like four yards behind him. <laughs> but Desmond Ritter didn't play with him last year. We don't know how Desmond Ritter's going to throw to him. I already have him in Dynasty. Yeah. No, I mean, I might, I might take him. So when's your draft? Um, we haven't said it yet. We usually get it right, like right before week one. Yeah. Is it like a live? Do you, do you have people? We we try and get, my redraft get a bunch league of is over, so. it, no, it's people all online. I've actually. I've met a few of them, but they're like all in different states and stuff. We've just been keeping this league oh, going. I meant your dynasty. your dynasty because that's the one you care about, right? Oh yeah, the dynasty is the one that I'm invested in right now. We already had that draft. It was remote. Oh, you did. Yeah. So what? What were your picks? You got Bijan at number one, Jamar Gibbs at number two, and Richardson at four or something. Um, I got Richardson at one, uh, Bijan at two, Gibbs at three, and um, I ended up trading the fifth pick for the seventh pick and Mike Williams, and I got Quentin Johnson because my quarterback one is uh Justin Herbert. So now I have two receivers I can stack him with. Oh, nice! So if he throws a touchdown to you know Quentin Johnston or Mike Williams, I get yeah. double points. Mike Williams is someone I'm hoping to come away from this draft with as a late as a late pick. Not late, but, you know, I think he's going to overperform like a fifth or sixth round draft spot. I hope you're right. I've never been a big (laughs) fan of him, but it felt silly not to take a little extra value and just hold on to that fifth pick. Yeah. Well, this should be pretty fun. I don't know, um, you know, what you're doing on Saturday. You could definitely swing by and just... We'll have a bunch of food and we'll have the draft going on. So if you feel like making the drive, you can come, but <laughs> crash your draft party that I'm not in. Dude, you, I mean, there will be other people there that, uh, there, there's usually some significant other. There's one girl in our league and her husband always comes and just hangs out and drafts. And then, uh, I think I have got another buddy whose wife is going to be coming by. So there will be people. And sometimes my sister shows up. So, you can come by if you want, Zach. We'll have brisket and baked mac and cheese. Ooh, that sounds good. Yep. Yep. Are you a big barbecue what are you... guy? Yeah, definitely. Oh my god, I love barbecue. I'm oh, so yeah. hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, do you have anything else? I can let you get to dinner. I don't. Did you have something else? Nope. That was it. If you did, that was it. You can say it. I don't I don't. I okay. wish I did. We got a short episode this week. I know. An hour, 10 minutes. We're, we're getting double, off easy. And it was a double issue, too. You know what it was? Is it was all book, the pictures. Oh. Your issue and my issue had several silent pages. Yeah. Yeah. Which is rare. Which I'm fine with. I, I like the quick reads, you know? If you give me a double issue and it's going to have wall-to-wall writing on it, you know, I, I'm going to get bored. Yeah, some of the issues we've looked at have been a slog. My guess is Bendis probably just had so much on his plate right then, because like the same era that he's... Because so did we this week, so (laughs) it's good that that matched up. (laughs) Like the same era that he was writing Ultimate Spider-Man, he was like inventing 
uh, Jessica Jones and he was writing Daredevil and he had his own series going. And then they were like, here's some other thing to write. Like the dude was putting out like eight books a month. So he invent Bendis invented Daredevil or no, he invented Jessica Jones. And then he, he was, was writing, writing Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. So is Dare is Kingpin more a Daredevil villain or a Spider-Man villain? Um, he debuted in Spider-Man, but I think he's more associated with Daredevil now. Mm. Uh, but he fights both. Yeah. Man, Bendis is a beast. Yeah, he was on one in the early 2000s. I'll, I'll go on record and say that. Yeah, I think we have. Yeah. We'll get him on the pod at some point. Let's do it. Listeners, uh, tag Brian Michael Bendis. T- tell him to come on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. should I send us out? Lay up. Let's let's do it. Okay. Thank you uh, to Ian Hickey for our music and Alyssa Seaman for the artwork. And thank all of our webheads for listening and leaving a review or a comment. You can always find us, the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you'd find podcasts. Or you can leave us a comment on Instagram at First Read Podcast. Send us an email at firstreadspidey at gmail.com or find us on YouTube at Ultimate Spider-Man Podcast. See you next week.